Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn, Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. Uh, the, uh, the jams my man Patrick pays for you. Uh, intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who may have had a tough weekend. That definitely goes for Texas baseball. Uh, Texas softball as well. Both of them dropping series over the weekend to uh, schools in the state of Oklahoma. Sooners and the Cowboys. Uh, also mm. the Astros. Go Strolls! Uh, tough weekend as well. They ended up losing their first series of the season to the White Sox. Um, so we'll get into some, we can get into some baseball conversation. Um, but the Rangers, shout out to the Rangers as well because uh, Rangers start the season three and zero, one of three teams to start the season undefeated. Um, you can be a part of the show. Specs Tech Sounds the best way to do it. Five one two three three seven three seven seven six. We'll talk Cowboys and Rod's rant of the day uh, because uh, there's a story out there about Mike McCarthy who had a heart to heart, if you will, with Dak Prescott about his interception. Um, so we'll talk about what we'll theorize, hypothesize what they could have discussed in the heart to heart about Dak's interceptions. And he did lead the NFL interceptions, only playing 12 games. We had 15 of them suckers. So uh, we'll get into yeah. that uh, coming up in Raj around the day. We'll talk national title game here. Preview uh, UConn versus San Diego State. Also, Rodney Terry setting the record straight. We'll get into that. Tyrese Hunter. Uh, there is news there on the Texas basketball front and the basketball conversation that has captivated the nation today. Uh, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese in the you can't see me trash talk controversy <laughs> that everybody's kind of gotten into, which I think is great for women's basketball. I think it's actually one of the best stories uh, for women's basketball in a really, really long time. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on in this segment. Uh, let's get into the national title game preview first, and then we'll hit Texas basketball uh, on the other side of this. All right, gentlemen, tonight you will have the matchup between UConn and San Diego State. There is no question. Um, this is one of those times where it's all about the hot teams. Oh, man, mm-hmm. I just got distracted by Vince McMahon's. <laughs> it's up there on the screen right now. They just put it up there. They should give you a warning before they put <laughs> Vince McMahon's face up there with that mustache. I apologize. Oh, my goodness. I got distracted. I really did. I was looking there, and I looked over your head, and there was the mustachioed McMahon to distract me. Somebody anyway. called him Vince Castro. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like that. It is aggressive. It's like he was trying to go into the witness protection program, but just really, really went halfway on the way. Uh, there you go. That's true. Okay, yeah, Astros that's split fun. the series. I apologize. Um, yep. I said they lost the series. They split the series. They didn't win it. I, that's my point. I probably should have said. Uh, okay, um, getting to the, uh, break, the preview of San Diego State and UConn. UConn has basically been the most dominant team down the stretch of the tournament. And I don't think if you go look at the numbers, I think a lot of people are surprised that the, the Vegas wise guys don't have UConn as a bigger favorite over San Diego state. Right. Uh, but here's a number to show how dominant UConn's been. So they're beating their opponents by over 20 points per game. They yes. beat each of its opponents. It's five, it's last five opponents by 13 points or more. 
They're going to be the 16th team to enter the national championship game after winning all of its prior NCAA tournament games by 20-plus points per game or more on average. Um, of those previous 15 teams, by the way, 12 went on to win it all. So there you go. Uh, I think it's 99 Duke, 64 Duke, 55 LaSalle, the three teams that came up short in that uh, last stat I gave you. But either way, it just shows you how dominant UConn has been. I mean, no team has really gotten close to UConn. And yet San Diego State, they're on the other end of that. They've had two late-game winning shots yes. to reach the NCAA title game. That's the first time that has happened in the history of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that that so, is that is something when you think about it. I mean, you start looking at this team and and see how they get here, the journey of it all. You were just talking about how UConn has been dominant in their performances in San Diego State, had a buzzer beater. They've had to come down to some really clutch moments late in the game. And the best part about it, Rod, was last on that game on Saturday, they had an opportunity to call a timeout and during the previous timeout they said, no, nah, we're just going to play it out. They were going to play it out. And Butler came like a centimeter away from dribbling himself out of bounds. <laughs> and that would have ended the season. And then they didn't have people on the court that are normal scorers, but they find a way to get it done. They and do. do you look at teams sometimes and you say, oh, this is a team of destiny. This is a team that has done things that – you sit and you look at them and it's like, how did they get here? And you find out a little bit more about their history, how they play, and you're like, they're destined for this. Their head coach was part of the Fab Five coaching staff with Michigan when they won the national championship, Chris Weber's timeout, all that stuff that was going on. He was a part of that. Hmm. And then he traveled to San Diego State with Jeff Fisher when he took that job, and then he becomes the head coach. It's unbelievable. It is a great story. And you start thinking, I'm like, this dude has been around the game for a long time. Long time. And here he is with an opportunity that's like, we're here to win. Remember one of their post-game uh, press conferences, he said, we weren't all that excited about winning, uh, I think it was the conference tournament or something like that. He's like, no, our goal is to win the national championship. So that's why we're just handling our business. Veteran squad? Yeah. Old, old souls yeah, over there on that basketball team. Over there. And, yeah, I mean, nobody – give you a San Diego State stat really quickly. Um, basically – We can call it the Tyler Campbell stat now. We can give it to him, too. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's proud. He's yeah, down yeah. there in H-Town, I'm sure of it. Uh, San Diego State is the fifth team in the seeding era to get the – uh, to get to the national t- championship game after entering the NCAA tournament with odds of 80 to 1 or higher. Yeah. 80 to 1. Man, I wish I would have took a flyer on those guys. If they beat, <laughs> if they beat UConn and win it all, they would fall right behind, actually, ironically, 2014 UConn as nope. the longest odds entering the tournament to end up winning the championship. Uh, 2011 Butler, obviously, they were the longest pre-tournament odds to make it to the national title game. I think they were 200 to 1. So like that, they lost to UConn. 2022, North Carolina, they were 125 to 1 and lost to Kansas. Um, 2014, UConn, 100 to 1 uh, odds uh, prior to the, the tournament and beat you beat Kentucky to win it all. And then San Diego State's right behind them. So it it this is you don't see this a lot. It ain't I don't know if you can call it a Cinderella because they they were a good team, obviously uh, being a a fifth seed, but. 
Still, it feels yeah. it feels Cinderella. It does. It does yeah. feel like it. But isn't she a was she a gold digging skank or something she, like that? You, it, you, and she gotta be <laughs> don't she gotta be double digits to be a true Cinderella? <laughs> so I can't throw them in that boat. Uh, but I'll, I'll say that UConn also long odds. UConn, uh, according to Action Network, Connecticut opened the season, the entire season, not the tournament, the season with eighty to one odds to win it all. Wow. Wow. Well, San Diego State was 66 to 1. So Connecticut, dating back to 08, 09, Connecticut has, actually has the longest preseason odds to make it to a title game just ahead of Tech at 70 to 1 in 2019. Interesting. So uh, a lot of people didn't have UConn in this mix either. So you got two really long shots to make it to the national title game who have made it here, which makes this matchup even more unfathomable. Well, it's wild. It is wild. That is wild. Um, yeah, so, and and also for San Diego State, was the last time we had a team outside the big six conferences, right. major six conferences, to win a national title? Doesn't happen a lot. It's, no, because you got to be a blue blood to be in this type of party. And they found a way to bully their way into it. And that's they're, they're a very physical basketball team. Mm-hmm. And for them to have this opportunity, which – a lot of people probably still aren't giving them a lot of love. That's why it is a seven-and-a-half-point line. That is why Vegas – I mean, that's why everybody's talking about the fact that they're, uh, the margin of victory for UConn is 20.6 points per it's game. Crazy. Um, they've had a good run, and Patrick mentioned it in during the break. It's like they beat a team in Gonzaga that's a solid basketball team that has history – by 20 points also. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. not like they were playing a bunch of terrible teams to get there, but it is it is a unique run that they're on right now. Yeah, since 2000, um, you just don't see teams outside the top six major conferences, power six, whatever, uh, end up winning national titles that long playing for them. Happens in basketball and baseball, um, of course, uh, more than uh, most of uh, the major sports. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's got San Diego State's got a chance to be the first in basketball since UNLV. Right. I imagine. Uh, yeah, that might be true. It's got to be. Right? Yeah, the fact that we can yeah, that would be, be that would be it. Um that's that would be a great storyline if it does happen, but it's been a long time since that's happened. Um all right, so why is it so late again? Why are we getting the game so late? What time does it start? 8:25. That's pretty late. I mean, think about it. People on the East Coast and it's yeah, I don't I don't so know. So Connecticut's mad, San Diego's loving it. Yeah, that's exactly right. But they probably want to appeal to the West Coast because they got a West Coast team in there. So maybe that's I mean, it's just still because they mean, got a West Coast team. But wouldn't it have been that time anyway, though? I mean, no yeah, it would have been that time anyway. Yeah, I think it's more along the lines of I mean, possibly it could be that the game is also being played in Houston where they go at Central, so we don't want to start it too late. We don't want to start it too early because we need it to be packed like when it starts. And if you start it at seven twenty. People are going to be rolling in late. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's – I get why they do them later because your ratings don't really go down that much I because your whole thing is, look, we you, if we put it at 820, everyone will be there at the start. It's basically a two-hour game. So if it's a good game, then our ratings will be good at the end. If it's a bad game, our ratings weren't going to be good no matter what. Yeah, yeah I think it's – and also the effect of social media on ratings now. They know that they'll get people who will just tune in after if if it's indeed a good game, you'll get your, you know, your basketball fans. They're gonna tune in no matter what for the start of the game. They're just gonna be there. Yeah. Um. But they know throughout the game, if you time it right, 
and you can trend at the right time on social media, people will tune in. People yeah. go, hey, look at like, oh man, let me tune into this game real quick. Girl, the game's pretty good. Yeah. And honestly, there are now people, network executives, they understand like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll get. There's a tune in factor here. That's why they look at the rate, the ratings when they peak. Yeah. Like, well, it's our peak time. We peaked here. We peaked there. Um, we were talking about that with the women's national yep. title game, which we'll That's get right. to here in just a second because uh, that was one that was full of uh, some great, salacious headlines. Before we do that, though, Rodney Terry caused a bit of some headlines. Rodney Terry was actually on with the uh, the the they do a show on the field of sixty eight uh, mm-hmm. media network, especially basketball or college basketball related content, and he was in Houston with this uh, show and. <laughs> He was talking about Texas and being asked about recruiting and and talking about, you know, his his obviously the culture that he's building and his experience in recruiting now being the head coach, but also being, you know, a head coach and assistant here at Texas, uh, being a head coach before coming to Texas as well, that he's got a lot of experience in recruiting. And it, this is a clip which I think has gone somewhat viral, um, and some people even criticize Rodney Terry, which I don't really find much very critical about what he said. But either way, he's talking about recruiting here, and here's Rodney Terry uh, making a statement and trying to rec- set the record straight mm-hmm. about where he thinks Texas can go in recruiting uh, with him at the helm. You know, Chris is a great coach, and again, someone I respected for over 20 years in the business, but... But again, Chris didn't put this roster together by himself. We oh, put absolutely this, not. We put absolutely. this roster Tell together. Tell him again, RT. Tell him again. Hey, yeah, yeah. I, I recruit three starters. Tell him again now. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm not one to pat myself on the back, but, you know, heck, we, we got in the no, trenches. There you go. Yeah, you got to do that. Don't disrespect you either now. Don't disrespect you either now. They ain't do that by himself. We put this roster together, man. I recruit three starters on this roster here, so let's don't get it twisted. But, no, you know what? You know, it's a team effort. It's always a team effort. You know, in terms of putting a roster together, I've been at Texas basketball, you know, when we've had the highest of highs. I mean, you can go back to the best five seasons in, in, in Texas basketball, and I've been a part of them uh, the entire time. So I know the landscape. I know what it takes to be successful at this university. And, uh, you know, we're going to roll our sleeves up and, and get after it. You know, we're going to try to get the best guys, you know, not only in the, in the state of Texas, but also around the country and, you know, internationally to come in and, and represent the university the right way, both on and off the court. But uh, it'll be a group, you know, it'll be a team effort in terms of putting a really good roster sure. together. But you know, we're here for no other reason to try to win a national championship. Do you do you like the timing of the portal? Like the, the thing that that makes me so frustrated with the way that this works is like. All right, uh, thank you very much for that. That's enough. But he was getting into some other stuff. But um, the the gist of it is, you just heard it there. Uh, he's confident. Well, the thing he about said it was the it impact he can have himself. Recruiting. Yes. And that's fair. I mean, what I still I was looking at some of the comments as well, and people were like, "Oh man, this guy right here, he's so arrogant." And it's like, what are you talking about? Y'all are y'all. People have been going out of their way to say, "Well, he did it with Chris Beard's people. He did it with Chris Beard's players." Chris Beard wasn't the only one who recruited those players, and everybody was talking about, "Oh man, I don't know if he can recruit." I'm like, "What are you? You obviously have not been paying attention." to all of this throughout the time. Rodney Terry built a program, two of them, mm-hmm. from the ground up and had winning records. People are always looking for a negative in every situation, and now we're always critical of every word that comes out of somebody's mouth. And it's like, well, maybe he's tired of listening to the, the nonsense of, well, I don't know if he can do it here. I don't know if this. I, you know, maybe he was just setting it straight, and he didn't even sound upset about it. 
He was basically yeah. matter of fact. He was. You know yep. what I'm saying? So I'm 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 all in on RT, baby. And we, As y'all know, and, <laughs> and we know that uh, Texas signee Ron Holland was still really excited when yes. Coach Terry was uh, giving the head coaching job or earned the head coaching job. Uh, and also, uh, AJ Johnson still a part of that uh, signing class for Texas. But I read that uh, my man Jerry Hamilton over at Inside Texas. Shout out to Jerry Hamilton who discovered one Rod Babers, by the way. So I love my man Jerry Hamilton. Um, Way to go, Jerry. He's reporting that um, also there's a great relationship between uh, Rodney Terry right now and his staff, of course, and the 2024 uh, prospect the from Dallas Lake mm-hmm. Highlands, who is a fantastic prospect that um, that he also uh, is, you know, right now really, I think Trey Johnson's his name. Sorry if I didn't miss that. Trey Johnson's name. Yep. That they actually have a really close relationship, too. Um, and he said, this is a quote from the article from Jerry Hamilton um, from the young man, Trey Johnson, from the 2024 recruit. He said, quote, he told me, he's talking about Coach Terry, he told me he still wanted me to come. It means a lot that I was his first stop before he went anywhere else after he got the job. Uh, it's an amazing relationship. We talk about every other day. All right. And, I mean, this is a guy that's <laughs> considered the nation's top-ranked recruit. Uh, in 2024, and him and Ronnie Terry have a really good relationship. Yeah, he's all so, in. Uh, so that's the whole thing about it. I mean, when you treat people <laughs> like they're valuable to you, and what I mean by that is as individuals, not just as basketball players, people are always investing in you. What do we always talk about? If you have a coach that shows you that he cares about you as a person, you'll do anything for that person. And that's people in general. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I don't have any worries about – what Rodney's going to be able to do at this university as far uh, as what happens next for him. Yeah. Right? Cause no. he's got, and the biggest thing for me now is I want to see what the coaching staff is going to look like as well. Is everybody staying with them and being able to continue that bond? It looks like they had a lot of fun this year, but it's a lot of fun when, when you're winning. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. a, that's also going to be a huge story uh, for for Texas. Another big story will be Tyrese Hunter. He declared for the twenty twenty three NBA draft. Uh, he did announce this last week. He's also going to re- uh, retain and kind of maintain his college eligibility by not hiring an agent. Right. So I do believe he could end up coming back if he doesn't like what he's hearing about his prospects and what his evaluation is. So smart move, honestly, just to see where you stand. Yeah, I, I mean Dylan D'Souza did that as well. Yeah, exactly. he did that last year and he came back. You know, so everybody, if you have the opportunity to test the water, test the water. Well, and they can tell you what they want you to work on and things they're looking at. And so, like, it basically gives your offseason a whole new direction because you can go in there and then go, hey, man, I saw you did that really well. But what we liked is we saw you did this and this. We want to see you do more of that. And you go, oh, I need to work on that. Hey, man, we noticed you go right a lot. How well do you go left? Or, hey, man, we noticed that when you take this shot, you don't set your feet the right way that we like Mm -hmm. you to sit. Just little stuff like that that an NFL's an NBA scout will go. This is one of the. This is a note I have, and yeah. if you can fix that, so it's. I if you get the opportunity, the NFL NBA calls you and says, "Hey, we'd like These you to take notes. part in that. Yeah. <laughs> we'd like you to take part in the draft process. Yeah, I, I think you should go do it. It's not going to hurt you anything, and I, I think Tyrese Hunter has is a bright future ahead of him. As of everything I've heard from scouts and everything right now. I don't think he's going to be a top pick in the draft, so I wouldn't worry about him going away right now. 
but I think it'll help him and it'll improve his game for next season. A smart move, though. Just don't hire an agent and you just get notes, recommendations yeah. about how to improve your game from, obviously, the NBA scouts and execs. So I love that move by him. Smart move by uh, Tyrese Hunter. Uh, gentlemen, uh, while we got some time here, let's talk about uh, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. For those who did not uh, hear about this story and are not well versed in it, so LSU, the LSU women end up beating Iowa 102 to 85 in the women's national title game. Uh, but uh, Caitlin Clark, who had become a superstar in this tournament, 240 plus point performances. Uh, she also ended up breaking the tournament record for most threes and most points scored. She really was. I mean, she was a boss out there, all right, dealing. And it was fun to watch. I mean, Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, I mean, everybody was pretty much uh, riveted by her performance during the tournament. She did have a celebratory gesture, uh, which was the <laughs> what we now know from – Tony Yayo to John Cena, <laughs> you can't see me uh, gesture that she would do to either taunt or showboat in front of her opponents when she made a big play. She was doing it all tournament long, and everybody loved it, by the way. For sure. Nobody said anything. Not very a word. Few, very few people, if any, said anything critical about her time because she was just sensational. She was amazing. So fast forward to the national title game against LSU. They have a spectacular um, amazing, uh, extraordinary player who won tournament player, uh, most outstanding player of the tournament, I should say, in Angel Reese. And she even said in the postgame, she made it her, it was kind of basically her mission yep. to throw it back in Caitlin Clark's face that Caitlin Clark would, would taunt her opponents yep. and would showboat in front of her opponents mm -hmm. with the you can't see me thing. So LSU was winning. And long story short, she goes in front of Caitlin Clark, does the you can't see me celebratory gesture, and then points, uh, follows her. Oh, that's important. She does follow her. She doesn't just do it once. She does it once, and Caitlin Clark kind of ignores her. Keeps moving. She's like, oh, you ain't see me? And she comes back like, let me oh, make sure you see me <laughs> this time. So, yes, yeah. they follow her, points at the ring finger, basically insinuating, hey, we're about to get a wing because we got the championship and you don't have one. Uh, a lot of people, including Keith Oberman, very upset by this, uh, captioned the video of that happening with, quote, what an effing idiot. Um, he was talking about Angel Reese. Oh, mm -hmm. harsh. Uh, and then Danny Cannell, another one, said classless. So a lot of people are upset about this, taking sides. And I think it's great, by the way. I think as long as people have been respectful in this debate and discussion and this discourse, I think it might be one of the best things that happened to women's basketball in a really long time. It's got everything that America loves to debate and yell at each, yell at each other about. Uh, it's got race. It's got uh, sexism thrown in there. Mm -hmm. It's got ageism because different generations, some feel different about trash talk than others. And you got dynamic, great personalities. Villains create conflict. Conflict creates storylines. This matchup had storylines all throughout. When you're talking about Kim Mulkey, you're talking about how different the teams are in their personalities, how different the stars are. It had storylines galore. And that's what America likes. America is captivated by storylines. And that's why people watched. And you're right. People watched. People watched. 9.9 million viewers watched, on a Sunday afternoon, exactly. midday, where there was the most viewed NCAA women's basketball game on record, up 103% wow. from last year. Good job, ladies. And it peaked at 12.6 million viewers. This was basically, hey, you know what we just talked about, Vince McMahon? Yes. Vince McMahon, what did Vince McMahon teach us all? 
all right, about wrestling and how to sell it. You guys are all entertainment, <laughs> right? Baby. How to That's sell it, right. how to promote something. He was one of the greatest promoters in the history of, of sports entertainment in this country. Yep. These ladies, brilliant promoters. Kim Mulkey is a great promoter. I appreciate they promote the hell out of this sport and they promote the hell out of this event and America watched. It take was a lesson, golf. Take a lesson, baseball. Take a lesson, every other sport, probably except for football and yeah, basketball. Yeah, you don't have to worry about football. NBA. You ain't going to worry about yeah. football. They got a ton of them. Storylines, baby. Storylines. That's what we want. Most viewed college event ever on ESPN+. Plus. Why? Because it, it tra- you need something that's going to transcend the sports mm-hmm. page to the front page. There they talking was. about this on The View. Hey, I wouldn't doubt if Donald Trump ends up saying something about it. Oh, you I know, know he's going to. I know he's got a lot going on. Yeah. But I'm just saying. But you know he's going to say something. <laughs> I was like, it's just one of those stories that has got to captivate the country. Everybody's got to have an opinion on it. Ladies, that's what it's about. More of this. Don't listen to all the haters and the naysayers. More of this. More yep. of it. I loved it. Oh, it was great. And the city of Dallas put on for them, right? They put it on for them. Right away, they and did. my family, my family was at the game last night, That's and they crazy. were so excited about everything. It was like from start to finish, they embraced it all. DJ got a picture with uh, former coach Jody Conrad, huh. the legend. So he was real excited about that. So it was it was a great great time, and there was a ton of people there. And don't don't an LSU have a. Uh, a, a woman who's also a rapper on the roster. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's like a rapper. They got storylines galore. Oh, she's yeah. like a rapper slash great player. I think she's down with Lil Wayne's group. I forget I think her name. LSU did the. Uh, they put up billboards on the way to Dallas near Waco. With Kim Mulkey on him. Oh, did the they? Tom Baylor. Oh, I didn't know they, they did, did that, that one too. Yeah. That's, what That's what I'm saying. saying. Yeah, it's come on, beautiful. man. I love. I love how petty. Yeah. Women's basketball is becoming. It is becoming very entertainingly petty, and I love it. As a matter of fact, let's get from uh, Caitlin real quick, Caitlin Clark real quick. This is when she was asked about how she feels about you know the taunting and the showboating. Here, here it is from the star herself. Our final question to the last one question. Hi, Caitlin Jack Leader with KCRG. I remember a couple months back you said, people need to play with that fire. I play with that fire. And now here we are at the national championship game. Social media is buzzing over the quote-unquote two best trash talkers in the country, you and Angel Reese. I I presume you view that actually as a positive thing, not a negative thing, playing with passion. Do you view it as a good thing for this game? Absolutely. I think I view, you know, matchups that people get really excited about as a really good thing for this this game. I think that's what excites people and gets them to the TV. But when they turn the TV on, they understand it's not an individual game. It wasn't Caitlin versus Leo. We weren't even matched up against each other at all. Um, it's not going to be Caitlin versus Angel. That's not what's going to win a national championship. But that's what gets them excited about watching the game. Um, so I think more than anything, you know, people are starting to understand women can play with, you know, excitement and a passion and a fire about themselves. And, um, you know, that's what's fun. That's Hey, like I said, there's a difference between taunting and stunting. Yep. Ric Flair, woo, the nature boy, he don't taunt. He stunts. Yeah. Stunting is a habit. That's got to have it. Yeah, you know what I mean? So stunt like your daddy. Exactly. <laughs> stunt on your foes. That's right. Stunt on your foes. I like that. Take uh, yeah, so I, I, I love what the ladies did. I thought it was great. Obviously, Harsh just gave the ratings. Um, so whatever they're doing is working. Yeah, and her name is uh, the rapper the on rapper. LSU's team. She won a national championship. Her name is Flauja Johnson. There you go. There she goes. They got a rapper. She got bars. They got a rapper, too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's like the fourth or fifth best storyline of the whole damn uh, matchup. Yeah. Patrick just mentioned another one. They put billboards up at Waco. I was like, I, I, I think it's great. As I was like, Kim Mulkey, people don't like her. I think she's really good for the sport.
Mm-hmm. You need somebody like that. And by the way, she's, her son, Kim Mulkey, went back to LSU. Well, went to LSU. She's from Louisiana Tech. And her son was a shortstop for the LSU baseball team before as yeah. well. Yeah. So she got them ties. Mm-hmm. And by the way. Two years, it, she got it done. This is what's really great about this, by the way. Because Caitlin Clark, she's not even draft eligible. No. She is. She, 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 can, she can forego. She's a junior. So huh? she would be able to go. She's I, a, I've read she's not draft eligible, it says. She until says she's coming back anyway. And I read she's not draft eligible until 2024, though. And Angel Reese is just a sophomore. Yeah. Angel um, Reese has had – she's been around, though. She was at Maryland for a minute. Yeah. So she, she's made her way around. And I'm glad. Glad. I'm happy to see it. Uh, okay. Uh, either way, good, good storyline there. Great stuff. All right. We'll come back. We'll get into uh, uh, Rod's rant of the day. I have a Dak Prescott stat that will show you that Dak Prescott, um, maybe he is uh, a little underrated when it comes to uh, the check down and the dump off. We'll talk about that when we come back right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, yes. Um, all right, let's get to this Dallas Cowboys discussion here. We don't have a ton of time. So there's been a lot of talk about Dak Prescott and his performance last season led the NFL interceptions. As a matter of fact, that was a story that Mike McCarthy had a heart-to-heart with Dak uh, recently this offseason about those interceptions. And so I went through some, some, some deep diving about you know the interceptions from Dak and really what kind of led to that outlier of a season because most of the time Dak has been one of the top five um, best quarterbacks in the NFL when it comes to protecting the football um, and his turnover uh, rate and his interception rates actually been pretty low but that wasn't the case last season what I also found last season was interesting um, Dak had the highest tight window throw rate in the NFL in 2022 um, so that means he threw more throws in the tight windows than any other quarterback. So I wanted to find a little bit, I wanted to go a little deeper into that stat, and I found the stat by Football Outsiders called failed completions. So essentially, what they, and by the way, failed completions in 2021, you had 3,131 failed completions. That was a record by Football Outsiders. And in 2022, nearly 27% of all completed passes in the NFL were failed completions. So what's a failed completion? Well, failed completion is simply, if you know success rate, then you're somewhat familiar with this uh, thought process, at least. A failed completion is a first down completion that fails to gain at least 45% of the yardage needed for the first down. A second down completion that fails to gain at least 60% of the yards needed for the first down. And a third or fourth down pass completion that fails to gain 100% of the yards needed for the first down. So first down, 45% of the yards needed for the first down. Uh, second down, uh, failed to gain at least 60% of the yards needed for the first down. And third and fourth down, 100%. So that's pretty much the breakdown of failed completions. Dak Prescott, now, by the way, just so you know, Pat Mahomes, who's a beast, he led the NFL in failed completion percentage, which is a good thing. That means you are throwing the ball 
uh, on first down and getting more than 45% of the yards needed for the first down, you're getting more than 60% of the yards needed for the first down on second down, and you're getting more than 100% of the yards needed for the first down on third and fourth down. So the higher you are up in these failed completion percentage rankings, um, basically the less prone you are for check downs and dump offs. Right, uh, you don't want to be a check down Charlie, and that's basically kind of what this metric breaks down, just in layman's terms. So Patrick Mahomes, he's he's not a check down Charlie. He does not check it down very often. He likes to go for the chains or go past the chains. So eighteen percent was his failed completion rate. That was first in the NFL in 2021. He was a second in failed completion attempt percentage, meaning the um, uh, percentage of attempts that are short of the yard to gain or at least 50 or 45% of the yards needed, 60% of the yards needed. And just so you know, Patrick Mahomes is at the top of this scale. Davis Mills last year, this is 2021 I'm talking about here, he was 31st. So go look at this past season. And by the way, Dak in 2021, he was 10th on this list in failed completion percentage, 23%, which is not that bad. Still, he was top 10. In 2022, though, Dak, Dak was fourth in failed completion percentage. He led the NFL in interceptions in only 12 games, had 15 interceptions, but he was fourth in failed completion percentage. Patrick Mahomes was second which at 17%. Um, and if you look at failed completion attempt percentage, Patrick Mahomes was second there too. Josh Allen was first in both of those categories, but Dak Prescott was fourth. Jimmy Garoppolo actually was third. I know my man Harsh loves hearing that because he's a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. Yes, sir. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo also, and people look at Jimmy Garoppolo as what? A game manager who doesn't really throw past the chains. He's not the guy that you want on third and long to be commanding your offense. He's not that type of quarterback. Truth is, in that Shanahan offense, I think a lot of the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff is yak yards, too, because channels uh, nobody leads the NFL. Nobody has more NFL yak yards than the 49ers. So a lot, a lot of it could be yak yards. That's still him operating at a really high level within the construct of the offense. But I was shocked to see that Dak Prescott basically hates checking it down and hates dumping it off. Now, this could be uh, a flaw in his skill set, too. But when you look at him leading the NFL in tight window throws, combine that knowledge with also the knowledge that I've just given you here that he's basically top five in the NFL in fail completion percentage, meaning that he's checking it down very few, very few if any times during the offense, and he's not a guy that's trying to dump it off. He's trying to go, he's trying to throw to the chains or past the chains a lot of the times. Now the question may be, should Dak be trying to check it down more often? Maybe that's the case. Maybe the Cowboys wide receivers don't create enough separation. That could also be the case. Why you wouldn't got Brandon Cooks? Because you want receivers that can create more separation so Dak won't have to have so many tight window throws. Um, or, you know, and maybe because Dak likes to throw the ball downfield. And like I said, even in 2021, it still reflects Dak likes to throw the football downfield. He was first. In failed completion percentage in 2019, which means he's throwing the ball mm-hmm. downfield to the chains or past the chains. Stretching. Right? So he's, in the last three years, he's been first, tenth, and fourth 
and failed completion percentage. And like I said, Patrick Mahomes is usually him and Josh Allen at the top of that list in 2022. Patrick Mahomes at the top of the list in 2021 because those guys stretch the field with their offenses, right? What do we know for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? They throw down the field. Now, lately, because of teams putting too high shell coverages um, against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, big arm quarterbacks, they have thrown more underneath passes. As a matter of fact, in 2022, Patrick Mahomes only had one touchdown of 20-plus yards. Yeah, just one. Mm. <laughs> he didn't need to throw it downfield. Up. It still doesn't mean he's not throwing the intermediate passes more. And I think those intermediate passes um, are getting you at the change or past the change. It's not really throwing the deep ball a ton. He's just have more nuance within his passing game now. And, and that's the thing with Dak. You know, where's the nuance in Dak's passing game? It's showing you here that Dak wants to push the ball downfield. Dak wants to, he doesn't want to dump it off. He doesn't want to check it down. Now, you could argue maybe he should be checking it down. Maybe he should be dumping it off. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you that this is proof that big Dak energy does exist. He is not a guy that's trying to check it down. He is not scared. He's, obviously, the interceptions, that's a big part of that, too. Um, but him throwing in tight windows. So he's trying to give his uh, wide receivers a chance. And I think the Cowboys' additions, their acquisitions in the offseason, we'll see if they get any in the draft. But just bringing in Brandon Cooks, it's really going to create more separation and more space and create wider windows for Dak. Because right now you got big Dak throwing through tight windows. And you need big Dak energy throwing through big windows. <laughs> You got small windows mm-hmm. and you got big Dak. All right, that that doesn't fit. You need big Dak, big windows, goes together, more compatible right. that way. Because he wants, except like I, I the stats I already show you. He's trying to push the ball downfield, but he's trying to push it to a hurt Gallup and to whoever the third wide receiver is for for the Cowboys. Oh, Dalton Schultz, I guess. I was going to say was Dalton Schultz was that guy. Yes, exactly. Yep. So that's I think to solve that problem because like I said. All the stats show you that Dak's not going to stop pushing the ball downfield. That's what he does, and he's been one of the best at doing it in the last few years. Um, but if you want to push the ball downfield, Brandon Cook's still a great deep threat, can take the top off of a defense. That's going to create more separation. Or you're going to double uh, CeeDee Lamb. Then he's going to get one-on-one coverage. That's a guy that at, at one point in his career, hell, even with the Texans, was still a number one wide receiver. So I think looking at those those stats and the acquisitions, it does make sense. They're just trying to create more windows downfield for Dak because that's the one thing last season. Like I said, it was an outlier for him to turn off ball over that much. If I'm looking at what changed, and obviously there's a lot of personnel changes, always a lot of personnel changes, but why Dak became so high risk, high reward as a quarterback, um, I'm looking at the lack of separation from the wide receivers downfield. And that could be the Gallup injury, losing Amari Cooper. That's why they bring in Brandon Cooks. Because both of those issues, essentially, they just they really took the uh, – it really regressed the offensive passing game for the Cowboys. And, and the fact, too, now you got a different look of what the Cowboys are needing that they didn't have before. I mean, remember, you yeah. said it. They were missing that piece. They had it. But they missed it. Mm-hmm. And now they saw the regression. And, and even with the interceptions and all that stuff that went into it, there were still some, some times that maybe that mm-hmm. interception doesn't happen if he hits one of those passes down the field. Agreed. You know, there's different ways to, to look at this. And no, I'm not defending Dak on any level. 
because Dak was bad last year, and we all know that. But Dak is not a bad quarterback at all. I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. I don't think last year, don't let that be an indictment on exactly. Dak, the quarterback. It's a one-off. If he comes back this year, then we got a bigger problem. If you got Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb in that lineup with whoever the improvements and upgrades yep. on offense, and you still get the same old Dak, you get small Dak energy instead of big Dak energy, mm-hmm. then, yeah, maybe you got yourself a problem. I think Dak's going to bounce back because I think he was missing weaponry, and I think now they got him some uh, some really good weapons uh, with Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb. All right, we like come it. back. We'll go off the record on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104 Down the Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie, right here on 1049 at the Horn. Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. Uh, who used to smoke five packs of cigarettes a day, Patrick? Otis Clay. Wow. Man. He's saying, it's. I used to do that, and I had to quit. It was the hardest thing I ever to do until I had to live without you. Wow. Okay. It's a love song. That's okay. just, hey, there you go. That's a different way of starting it off. I think she might have left you because you were smoking five packs of cigarettes. <laughs> hey, you still sings like that? <laughs> I was just saying, I think it's why your woman left you, though. That's a lot of cigarettes in the day. I don't know. Maybe she smoked six. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Five maybe, of them. Five, five packs, packs of cigarettes a, a day. day. Come on, man. You can be, How you still alive? You can be talking out your throat. Doing what you that. talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you see, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. There you go. My man Patrick always keeping us on our toes on a smooth soul Monday. All right, gentlemen. Uh, you know the show Hard Knocks, HBO's Hard Knocks. goes behind the scenes uh, for an NFL team every year. Remember, there are stipulations on this. Uh, they don't have a first-year head coach. Um, they haven't made the playoffs in two straight seasons, and they haven't been on Hard Knocks over the last decade. Um, so that's like the selection criteria. The teams that meet the criteria to, to be selected for the training camp series are the Bears, Chicago Bears, the, Bears. the New Orleans Saints, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and the Washington Commanders. What say you, gentlemen? Who do you want to see uh, with the Hard Knocks behind-the-scenes special this upcoming season? Did you say the Jets? The Jets are on this list. I want to see them. If they get Aaron Rodgers. Not even if they get him. I want to see that. No, I want to see all With or without Aaron Rodgers. With or without them. Okay. Because they are drama. They are drama. They are drama. They are definitely something that you want to watch just because I want to see what's going on behind the scenes. I want to see Zach Wilson go in there and plead for his job back. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I want to see Sauce Gardner going through the workouts and see if he is is that dude. We know he is, he is but I want dude. to see how it goes about. No, no, he is that dude. I want to definitely, I would say the Jets right away. Patrick, what say you? I So I don't watch Hard Knocks. You don't. You've never seen an episode of Hard Knocks. I've, I've seen pieces of episodes. Okay. I don't watch any reality television. Just in general, I can't stand it, so I don't watch it. Okay. Uh, but I would say, if for football's sake, it would be the Bears because I want to see if that team, if they're if they're actually going to be the team, if they're going to be good or not. The Jets would be more fun because you're going to get more crazy stuff. I think the last time Jets were on Hard Knocks, maybe it's not the last time, but Rex they had, Ryan. Rex Ryan. Was no, it? but they had. Uh, Let me go get uh, a damn who was the quarterback with 78 kids and he didn't remember their names? Wow. Oh, uh, Cromartie. 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 So uh, that, you had that great moment for the Jets <laughs> yeah. when they were on there. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He didn't remember them all. He forgot. No, them. he forgot the kids' names, which is. <laughs> and I mean, sad, if you got that many. You probably do forget well, him. You got to be like George Foreman. And he was so post. So you name all George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had he had post vasectomy kids. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he didn't follow the instructions correctly or if the doctor just didn't do it right. No, he definitely did not follow the instructions. Really? He seems like Maybe a non instructional Bro. <laughs> he is pretty potent. Yeah, he's definitely that. <laughs> he is definitely he's that. Throwing... My man gets it in. But I for think real. you're right. I think either the doctor did it wrong or yeah. he didn't follow the instructions. Uh yeah, I'm gonna I think you're right. The Jets are probably the best one and if you want football wise, Patrick's right. Bears are best football pick. But honestly, the Saints, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt they're pretty interesting though now with Derek Carr. Uh-huh. The Saints. That might be something interesting though. Yeah, but Dennis Allen is the coach. Yeah, he's not very like he said he's pretty. I can't get anything out of Dennis Allen. No, I I still can't tell you how Dennis Allen sounds. I can't tell you how he sounds. Exactly. Well, if you ever heard Dennis Travis Kelsey, you wouldn't know who he was anyway. He's definitely one of those coaches he did not know. He did not know who that guy is. That that, that Saints hard knocks is just Dennis Allen constantly checking in on the Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) That's just him seeing what's up with the Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's good. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into. Texas Spring Football scrimmage nuggets and updates right here on Ball Don't Allow 104.9 The Horn.